As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love to win. You are now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, Deshaun Reed with the pre-free agency version of our podcast. And obviously, before we talk about free agency, we'll get you caught up on the latest Raiders news and Obviously, the big news that came down this week was that the Raiders made their decision on what they were going to do with Trent Brown. A week ago, the jury was still out, according to Mike Mayock. Well, the jury decided, and uh, the Raiders traded Trent Brown. They found a trade partner. They sent him to the New England Patriots along with a seventh-round pick. They get a fifth-round pick. Uh, Both those picks are in the 2022 draft. I mean, Vic just kind of explained to us how this went from the Raiders trying to figure out if if Trent was healthy enough to be a contributor next year to them deciding that uh, the best move was to save $14 million, gain a little bit of draft capital, and send him back to uh, New England. Yeah, I think when Mike said the jury was out, I think that was accurate. I think there definitely was a split in terms of uh, in the brass and the Raiders, what they should do with Trent, because um, obviously last year was very frustrating. They paid him a lot of money, didn't play very much, and wasn't in great shape, and all the issues with the COVID stuff and the tracker. So I think it was a frustrating year for everybody. But at the same time, they realized he's one of the top tackles in the league and um, definitely motivated. I think definitely you can see the workout tapes. He's jumping around and looks like he's in good shape. So that has to be exciting for them. And so I think they were torn. I think the problem was, you know, $14 million is a lot to swallow. So they wanted him to come back for less. I think they were going to take a hardline stance. Well, I kind of like that. I like the idea of a hardline stance, kind of like, you know, wait a while. Make them restructure. Uh, otherwise, you cut them when all the Frazier money is gone. So I think that, I like that plan. But I think at the end, you know, the Patriots were a former team. They know Trent very well. Uh, they saw an opportunity to have a bargain, kind of $11 million. The guy was motivated because he's going to be a free agent next year. So I think the Raiders at the end figured a draft pick is better than nothing. And they figured they just move on and kind of take the loss. And, and obviously didn't work out the way they planned two years ago. I think that's where we're at. So, I mean, with this a matter of, for Trent, if you're being told by the Raiders that basically you know, you're getting the impression, maybe being directly told that 
We're going to keep you around until you restructure. Was this a matter of him basically saying, I'd rather play for the Patriots at 11 million than the Raiders? And just you look at his social media, he he seems like he's very happy about the move. Was this just a matter of, of him liking it in New England better and rather going there for the less money than trying to stick around with the Raiders? Yeah, no question. I don't know how much the Raiders were going to make him try and sign for. I don't, it probably wasn't $11 million, but I think for him, this was his one lifeline. I think he obviously liked it in New England. He, he won a ring there. I think um, they know him well. And for him, it's a, it's a change to uh, you know, a chance to change scenery. So I think uh, this was just kind of his one lifeline, and he was happy to have it. So I think he's definitely happy to be back. He's happy to get $11 million. Um, and again, I think he's very motivated. He'll definitely be a free agent again next year. So I think he's looking at having a big year and then going back into the market and making a big, uh, you know, getting rich again next year. I wonder if he knows that Tom Brady's not in New England anymore. <laughs> He probably does, but I think for him, it's he tweeted it's not about the money, but it is kind of about the money also, and that's definitely part of it. So I think um, he's happy. So um, and the Raiders, I don't know if they're happy, but I guess they're relieved because it was kind of a kind of a headache. At least that part of it is uh, is gone. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people kind of criticizing. Uh, you know, all you get is a fifth round pick back for Trent Brown. I'm like, well, a bunch of you guys were saying that they should just cut him for nothing. <laughs> so like. I'm not saying a fifth round pick is going to change your life, but I mean, if you're going to cut him anyway, you might as well get something for it. I mean, you know, of course, overall, it's still a failure, but, you know, they have to live in the present with the situation. It is a failure because, you know, obviously there was this risk factor signing Trent Brown because everybody knew that there were some work ethic issues with Trent Brown before he got to New England. You know, there was questions of how he would you know, react to getting all that money and the Raiders kind of jumped on him early in the free agency process and gave him that huge contract and kind of bid against themselves in that situation. So I think there there is some criticism that the Raiders brass do deserve for taking this gamble and having it blow up on them like it, it did with the Trent Brown situation. I mean, what's tricky is if you look at him in 2019, yeah, he got hurt at the end of the season and missed the last few games. And I think he missed a couple earlier in the year. So he only played 11 games, but still was a pro bowler. He was dominant. I mean, he proved that he was worth the money. I don't think any of the games he missed in 2019, his first season here, were a result of a lack of work ethic or anything like that. Now, obviously, this season, I think you can point to that coming into camp out of shape, and and maybe that's a result of, of the pandemic and not having organized team workouts and all that kind of thing. But year one, uh, I mean, obviously, you signed him to a four-year deal, so you can't just judge it based on one year. But he was really good then. Uh, when he was out there, it wasn't going to last, obviously. Yeah, I think it's always easy in, in hindsight to say, oh, how could you, you know, give Trent Brown all that money? But, you know, he was coming off of the really dominant season with the Patriots, helping him win the Super Bowl. And before that, I know he had missed some time with injury before, but I don't think I also think that injury wasn't a matter of him being out of shape or something. It's just kind of like a freak injury that happened. And so uh, especially this season, they couldn't have forecasted that there'd be COVID and that he would get COVID. And then after he gets back from COVID, somehow they mess up his IV in the locker room, apparently, and at least him to miss some more time. So there's a lot of kind of twists and turns in there that they couldn't have foreseen a couple of years ago. So, I mean, sometimes things just don't work out. You know, obviously they, they still deserve to blame for that, but. I don't view it as like at the moment they signed Trent Brown. I'm not sure how many people at the moment were like, oh, what are they doing here? You know, so it's kind of revisionist to come back now and say, you know, they never should have done it. I wouldn't say they never should have done it. I think there was were some criticism of uh, the Raiders giving him such a massive deal with the concerns about his work ethic. And I, I think, you know, if the reports are true that he did come into camp, you know, way above 400 pounds and 
I think obviously that could have led to some of the injuries that happened. And that, that's not even COVID related. So I think there is some criticism because you did take that chance. It kind of blew up on you. And I, I think if there's a lesson that the Raiders could learn from this is they're not in a position to take these massive gambles because they don't have that winning formula. They don't have that environment to be able to handle these these risks. And it's blown up twice on them now with the Antonio Brown situation and a Trent Brown situation. So I think if you learn anything from this is maybe let's establish a winning culture first and create a locker room situation where you can take these risks because so far it hasn't worked out. But also you look at the structure of the contract. I mean, this is the the reason you structure it this way. You got a productive when he was out there, Trent Brown, like we said, that the injuries in year one weren't, you know, anything conditioning related. And yeah, this year was bad, but the guarantees were gone and you're able to get rid of him. It's not like you're out any future money. You don't have any dead money hit on it. So, I mean, I, I think at least you, you know, you have the deal structured, right? It's not as bad of a deal as, as say a Carl Nassib where the Raiders are, you know, got nothing out of him last year and then are still looking at a, at a huge dead cap hit if they want to get rid of him this year. I think Deshaun and I are on the same page as far as I, I thought you should have bought him back at 14 mil. I think, um, you already paid the $22 million last year, which obviously is a horrible. It was not a good deal. But so you're on a hook already, and you, you mentioned he was good his first year. So I think at this point, he's yours, and you know what he can be at his best. And you got to figure uh, he knows he's going to be a free agent next year. He knows he's going to be motivated. He definitely is getting in shape. You see that. So to me, if there's any hard feelings on making him wait, you smooth those over and you just you, you kind of play the long game, I think. I'm not sure I, I would have sold him uh, for a fifth-round pick at this point. I would have just played hardball and made him play for me uh, for next season. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. And I guess, you know, the worst-case scenario in their mind is, you know, if they do play hardball with them and say, you know, we're going to keep you on the roster all the way into uh, training camp and then cut you there if you don't want to restructure when there's no money left. You know, I guess on the flip side, you could say, you know, what if he just kind of takes the offseason off and comes on overweight again? But I don't know if he would have done that. You know, especially considering, you know, either way, he probably would have been set up to hit free agency next year. And having another year like this past year, he probably wouldn't put himself in position to make much money. And, you know, even, you know, from a kind of cynical view, if you think Brown is all in it for the money, then, you know, having another year where he plays five games or isn't himself wouldn't really set him up to continue to do that moving forward. So, yeah, I think that in the end, they probably should have, you know, gone ahead and enrolled with him. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens in free agency. They obviously freed up a lot of money, you know, if they can go out and get a a replacement starting starter at right tackle for, you know, let's say seven to nine million dollars a year. You know, maybe they aren't Trent Brown, but, you know, maybe they're more available than he was and then a little bit more consistent in terms of what you're getting out of them. Nothing gets you excited for the start of free agency, like saying goodbye to guys that you spent a lot of money in free agency for. Uh, I mean, it, it does show you that people say it all the time. It's not the way to build a team. It's typically the way to you know kind of fill in a few margins here and there. And we'll discuss some of those margins the Raiders will need to try to fill in. At. But one of them, obviously, we're talking right tackle here with Trent Brown now gone. Uh, the rest of the offensive line really kind of in flux. Obviously, you got Rodney Hudson at center and, and Colton Miller at left tackle. Those guys are locked in. But uh, Richie Incognito released and Gabe Jackson not officially released yet, but that appears to be the direction it's going. Uh, Vic, you've reported that they would like him. They wanted him to take less money and and there was not a good response from Jackson's team about that. Maybe with Trent Brown's release, there's a little bit more money so they can sweeten that a little bit more and, and, and not ask for 
for quite as much of a pay cut. But um, I know, Vic, you expect Incognito to be back. I think it's a lot more uncertain in terms of uh, Gabe Jackson. And then we'll see what happens in free agency with Denzel Good. Yeah, I think the difference is I think Gabe is uh, probably more attractive on the on the free agent market. I think he probably, probably his agent probably sees a market for him. He's still not not old and definitely had some good years. I think it was well thought of uh, before the injury. So I think they're looking at him maybe able to cash in a little bit. That's why I think the uh, immediate reaction to the uh, hey, why don't you restructure was kind of like you know take a hike uh, kind of deal. So I don't think he's going to do that. I think he'll be a free agent. Richie, on the other hand, I think doesn't have a lot of options. I think he's thirty eight. Has a lot of baggage uh, we all know of. So I don't know uh, if many teams, if any, are going to be knocking on his door. So I think he likes it here. I think John Gruden thinks he's a big-time leader, a big-time part of the locker room. So I think they want him back, just not at $5 million a year. Do you think part of this, the reason why, you know, this O-line exodus is happening is that, you know, the Raiders see the the free agent market. They know that they have a lot of money invested in this O-line. They, they know that there's so many guards on the market, so many guys that – it doesn't seem like teams are going to be overpaying guards this season. So they see a chance to cut their payroll with their interior offensive line and still get a quality player. Maybe. I think also it just may be reactionary. Maybe looking at the last few years and you know their salary cap and what's happening, they're spending a lot of money on the offensive line and not getting great results. So maybe they want to take that back a, a notch or two. So I think it's fine. I mentioned this before. I think it's funny how they're making all these big changes. And to me, the most obvious one is Rodney Hudson. I know Rodney Hudson's great and everyone is, I'm not saying he's not a great player, but I think of all the young players in their team where they feel the most comfortable in as far as confident they can step in and do a good job. I think Andre James, you're very high on Andre James, which I think it makes it weird that they spend all this money on the center when they have one who's dirt cheap who they think it can do the job as well. So I know it's not the same level as Rodney Hudson, but to me, that'd be a much more obvious move to make if you're trying to trim your offensive line uh, salary cap um, you know, assignment. Vic wants to get rid of Rodney Hudson. Put that in the blog head. Huh? Aggregators, get after it. Get rid of Rodney Hudson. They don't need him. Pretty much. That's, pretty much, that's, that's, that's what I said. I'm, I'm, <laughs> but, uh, I'm just saying, like, the I mean, Raiders have a long history of not being able to develop young guys, and that's been one of the problems. I mean, besides the bad free agent signings and the bad draft picks, but the guys they do bring in don't really ever develop. And that's a case where I think everyone on the staff will tell you he's ready to start in the NFL. So to me, it's just weird how you make all these other cost-cutting moves online, but the most obvious one, the guy you're paying the most money, again, a great player. I'm not saying he's not worth all the millions he's getting, but to me, it's an obvious it's an obvious swap that you would make and save a lot of money and tax some other areas you need on the roster. I would say they've done enough as far as like shedding money from the offensive line. I mean, both starters at guard and your starter at right tackle. Like, it's, it's a good amount of change right there. And it, right now, I think they're sitting at around $33 million in cap space when you consider all the rollover stuff that they had from last year. So, you know, they can create some other cap space through some other roster moves without you know, necessarily getting rid of somebody like Rodney Hudson or, or Colton Miller. So I think they, you know, if you're talking being in the range of 40 plus million dollars, you should be able to address some of the needs that they have in addition with the, with the draft capital without getting rid of maybe arguably top three player on the roster and Rodney Hudson. Well, when you talk about money spent on the offensive line, I mean, they're going to have to start, you know, budgeting for, for a little bit more because Colton Miller, he is eligible for an extension now coming off of his third year. Yeah, he, I would assume his fifth year option will be picked up so that there's not necessarily pressure to, uh, to sign him right now. He can play this year, uh, the final year of his rookie deal, then, then could play next year on the fifth year option. But, uh, they are eligible to 
give him a contract extension if they want. And I would imagine he finally breaks that streak and becomes the first Raiders first round pick that they give a uh, a second contract to since uh, what Darren McFadden. But they do have to start budgeting for him. Yeah, you figure maybe not this offseason, but but next offseason for sure. That's going to be something that they're going to have to go into in terms of extending him. So that's why I'd be interesting to see how they kind of approach this period. Do they kind of stray away from those four year deals that they've given out in the past? Maybe more so like two year deals or three year deals with, you know, not as many guarantees on the back end. It'd just be kind of interesting to see how they uh, navigate it this offseason. I think this draft, I think, I don't know, theoretically, I think you should be able to get a guy a second round who can pull it at right tackle right away. I think they want to kind of have two cornerstones, two young guys. They can kind of say, these are two guys for the next eight, ten years. I think that's kind of their plan at this point, the new plan. So uh, I don't know the, the offensive tackle class that well yet, but I have to believe that you can get a guy a second round who can start right away and be your guy there for a while. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, this might be a record, guys. We've gone the first almost 17 minutes of this podcast talking only about the offensive line. Yeah, talking about the, the guys that matter up front. They don't get enough love. We're showing them some. Uh, well, we talked about, you know, other moves that they've made that, that have freed up space. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner, nobody is surprised by that move, obviously. Uh, just a small dead cap hit to save a bunch of money. He was a free agent signing that didn't work out. Tyrell Williams didn't work out for, I think, different reasons. I think when he was healthy before he got hurt, he was looking like a pretty productive receiver. I don't know if he was going to be a true number one receiver, but he was pretty productive and and I think you know credited you got to credit him for kind of gutting through the 2019 season the way he did obviously did not play at all this season so that's an easy move to save some money what are they looking at about I think with the rollover cap space to shine like 33 and a half million or so right now in cap space they certainly could get some more if they decide to get rid of Carl Nassib he would represent what about three and a half million in savings even though there would be a large cap a dead cap hit Marcus Mariota, we know he's not going to be on the roster at the 10 plus million that he's due. Uh, so I, there's going to be some more money coming up there. So, I mean, it could be somewhere by the time this is all done in the range of 40 to 45 million of, of cap space as they enter the uh, legal tampering period on Monday. Yeah. And even if they think NASA is too, too big of a, a dead money 
cap hit to eat right now. They can shed some other money elsewhere. I mean, you know, guys like Jalen Richard and, and Jeff Heath, they make around $3 million or more than $3 million and they don't have any guaranteed money left. You know, you could free up $3 million that way. Or some smaller deals. Obviously, there's, there's the Arden Keys of the world and Brandon Parker. You could shed around $2 million each by getting rid of one of those guys. They definitely have a path to, I think, you know, if they really want to get up to, you know, close to almost $50 million in cap space. But, you know, it'd be interesting to see do they think they need that much to address all their needs and kind of how they split. You know, as, as we talked about earlier, you don't want to necessarily build your team through free agency, but they need help at all three levels of their defense at, at multiple positions. You could argue they need up to as many as, as five new starters on defense. You know, do you really want to try to get five new starters out through free agency or mix in some with the draft? So I don't know how much money we think they need to address all their needs, but I think definitely getting in that $40 million range will probably put them in a good position to be able to split it evenly between the two. So, I mean, who can they get? We watched as the franchise de- tag deadline came up on Tuesday and and a lot of, you know, potentially attractive targets were tagged. You know, I know, Deshaun, you had had Marcus May from the Jets as a guy you were looking at at safety. Uh, there is John Johnson from the Rams as a possibility there. What is available out there, especially in terms of somebody that can bring some pass rush thump? Yeah, I think that's something to be interesting to see which decision they make because I'm not sure that they'll have enough money to, let's say, get a big money edge rusher and a big money free safety. So they'll probably have to choose one between the two. And then if they still want to address the other position. They'll have to get more of a, a veteran or, or kind of more of a sleeper guy that may not cost as much money. I think an interesting guy that kind of jumps out as a pass rusher who's still pretty young, but may not draw a big contract is uh, Romeo Aquara from the Lions. Um, the guy had about, had about 10 sacks last season. I think he's only going to be 26 years old when the season starts. Um, he has some experience playing in the four three, and I don't think he'll be as expensive as maybe some of the top flight pass rushers in free agency, and maybe you can get him on a cheaper deal as somebody that'd be good to bring in. Of course, there's a few veterans, but obviously they've had a few recent uh, signings where they get older guys or old guys that haven't worked out. But you know, there's the Justin Houston's of the world and Melvin Ingram, who obviously Gus Bradley has some familiarity with. So I think there's a good amount of options on, on edge rusher, um, but that's also something they could they could go and address, you know, with their first pick in the draft. So they have they have a little bit of flexibility there when it comes to the, the defensive line part of it. I think spending big on, on a pass rush is important, just because you know the, the pass rush has been so lackluster, and we talked about the importance of a good pass rush for this defense. I don't think they necessarily need a big splash at right tackle, but maybe somebody that can be a starter in case they can't find somebody in a draft or maybe if they do find somebody young it's still good to have a potential starter for depth so I, I think those two spots are important and then as far as the free safeties I don't think that it's a great free safety market John Johnson could be a good fit but he played more in a two high system so you're projecting I mean, he has the speed to definitely be a single high safety but John Johnson would cost a lot of money but I, I just think yeah you got to spend a premium on, on a pass rusher I don't think you could depend on the draft and hope that a draft pick works out there and find somebody reliable as a, a right tackle, solid starter type. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of torn though between like if it was me, I probably would lean towards signing a free safety over the veteran edge rusher just because the free safety or the safety class in general in a draft really isn't that strong. And I think, you know, there's enough pass rushers in that first round range where they'd be able to get somebody at 17. Who could step step in and help help out on the edge at least you know be a, a rotational player alongside Max Crosby but you know I think whether it's a John Johnson or maybe even like Anthony Harris type 
um, at free safety that you can go out and sign. I think they need some kind of veteran to anchor that secondary. You know, if you go out and draft another safety in the second round or the third round and mix that in with, with, you know, Abram, who's been struggling and, you know, the young cornerbacks and you need a new starter at nickelback. I just think that's a lot of youth on the back end. And even if they do have an improved pass rush, they could still get shredded. So if, if there's somebody that, you know, on a reasonable salary they can get as a, as a veteran free safety, I think that is something they do need to address in free agency at, at some point. My plan would be I would probably just go with the pass rusher in the draft. I, I like there's some there's three or four guys who are not – people aren't in love with them, but I think there's three or four guys who are pretty good, pretty good prospects. Quiddy Pay, the two guys from uh, Miami, uh, the guy from Georgia. I think um, at 17 I get the best one available. I think they all got uh, some band. They all got some speed. I go that way. I would not take a pass rusher for a lot of money in free agency. I think that's just uh, it hasn't been a good thing they've done in the past. I think this, it's kind of a more of a gamble to me. I would just take a young guy, let him run wild, and I'd have Clee, you know, on the outside on first, second down, and bring the other guy and the young kid on third down, let him go. So that's the way I would do it. I think they can get a, a tackle in around two probably, and. Uh, Right there, you got your two biggest needs taken care of in the draft, and you can sign safeties and linebackers and all the other things you need uh, in free agency. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. In terms of the Raiders' own free agents, obviously it's not a group that they're aggressively looking to bring a ton of these guys back, but Nelson Aguilar is probably the highlight one, along with maybe Nicholas Morrow. You guys both, uh, Tashawn and Vic, projected Nelson Aguilar on your 53-man roster projection, projected him to return. You know, the last time we had a show, uh, we were talking about Vic's story about about Nelson Aguilar going off on the team and and the leadership he showed and and the fact that it didn't seem like he was very happy here and probably would want to move on. But now you guys have them both projected to be back. Vic, uh, what, what is your sense there? Do you think that there's a realistic possibility that he would have enough interest in coming back and that the Raiders would be able to find a way to get him back. Yeah, I think that the speech, I think kind of, um, I think players appreciated that. I think he's kind of taken on a leadership role. He's been uh, he's been around the facility uh, the last few months, even though he's going to be a free agent, so that's a good sign. I think he wants to come back. He likes it. He likes his role. He likes young guys in the team. He likes Derek Carr. They had a good chemistry last year. So to me, it comes down to money. I think um, I really have no idea how the market's going to play out. He's kind of in the middle of these top, you know, maybe 15 guys who are going to be available in free agency. So I think if the price is right, uh, they, they want him back. So I think he might be back. I think that's where I'm leaning. But again, if he gets a big offer from someone and they don't match it, then that's why he would leave. But I, I think he, he kind of likes the way uh, things worked out. Like, I was not the losing, but I think in terms of him asserting himself, kind of having a new role, kind of different than he has had in the past, kind of like a leader and a veteran type of the younger guys in the locker room. I think he enjoyed that. So I think he likes, you know, he and Gruden go way back. So I think he'd be definitely happy coming back. And I think the cap, you know, being set at 182.5 may actually help them when it comes to bringing back somebody like Aguilar because, you know, if it had swelled to maybe 190, you know, he'd probably be more liable to get one of those bigger offers. But I think especially this year, um, you know, we might see the top flight uh, receivers that are available get big deals. But I think those kind of middle tier guys like Aguilar probably won't get a, a crazy, you know, 10 million plus a year deal. So 
maybe a little bit easier financially for them to bring them back now too, that the cap is a little bit lower and they don't necessarily suffer as much from it being lower, lower since they have some of those cap rollovers that, that boost them up to more of having a cap of around 190. Yeah, I think they gave what Terrell Williams like 22 million guaranteed over two years. I think you could probably do that same amount with Nelson over maybe three years. I think you could spread out a little bit. I think it'd be cool with that. So I think to him, he'd probably want similar guaranteed money, but maybe not. Didn't have to be the same uh, amount of time. I think it could spread. I think it could be able to spread it out a little bit. There's a lot of receiver, free agent receivers too. This is a pretty loaded receiver class as far as free agency. So that probably helps the Raiders bring him back. All right. Well, let's take a few questions here before we get out of here and, and start gearing up for uh, the start of free agency next week. So we'll start with this one from Eduardo P. Do you guys think Gruden's job is on the hot seat if the Raiders <laughs> miss the playoffs? <laughs> He owns the seat, so I mean, he, he can adjust the temperature however he wants. I mean, Mike Mayock is gonna fire him. I mean, I, I, at some point, obviously, Mark Davis is gonna be, uh, hey, what's going on, man? I thought, you know, I mean, I'm not sure we're there yet, but I'm sure in the back of his mind, like when you're four, this is not the way I really had it pictured when I gave the guy, you know, the blank check. So it definitely hasn't gone well. I mean, I don't think um, Mark can be too happy about how the Trent Brown went thing went down and. Uh, if they do let go of Carl Nassib, I mean, giving a guy $5 million to go away probably isn't his favorite thing to do. So there's definitely some problems, been some issues, but uh, I think he's fine. I think uh, he's got plenty of, of, of life before his seat uh, gets hot. I mean, it feels like this season, if things go down, if take a downward turn, then Mayock probably takes the fall. And I, I've always thought it's at least five years before Gruden really can get on the hot seat. So I, I would think it would have to be this year taking a downturn and Mayock maybe taking the fall. And then if they still can't turn it around with a new personnel guy in, in year five and he goes five playoff list seasons, that would be maybe when, and I don't think it's necessarily Mark Davis walking in there and saying you're fired, but everyone loves to bring up the quote from, from Gruden, you know, where uh, I won't, I won't take their money if I can't turn this thing around, blah, blah, blah. If five years in, if he's not having success, if he's not winning, you know, I don't know how happy Gruden is going to be in that job, and that that might be where he makes that decision that he's going to step away. He was still have like what fifty million dollars guaranteed at that point. Nobody knows all the exact particulars of the contract, though. I mean, it's it's hard to say, right? I mean, we everyone knows it got reported as a ten year hundred million, but it's hard to know wh- what the exact guarantees and what the exact particulars are on that that deal and. It was his agent who said it was that. I mean, his agent said $100 million for 10 years, and Mark Davis was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, $100 million for 10 years. Yeah, so who, like you said, who knows? But it's a lot. He's got, you know, unlimited power, and I think uh, that's not going to change. So like you said, he was pretty miserable last year, so if he's miserable for another two years, at some point he may like, you know, he might say screw it. But uh, I don't think we're close to that point yet, and I think um, – yeah, it's, it's time for a plan B. You know, plan A didn't work with the Mac trade and the Trent Brown and Antonio Browns and Marcus Joyners and Vontez Burfick. So that was plan A. So now it's time for plan B. And uh, we'll see what he can come up with. All right. Question from Clay B. What is it with this team that causes players to celebrate when they are released or traded? Is the team this dysfunctional? Yes. Yes. Next question. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, just look at it. I mean, it's like, a, I mean, it's not really, I don't want to laugh about it, but it's kind of a circus. I mean, it's been that way before John came back. So it's just kind of like you have a lot of bad moves and uh, things that kind of just only that happen to the Raiders kind of happen. So I think um, 
Yeah, I think people come here and they're excited about it, and then they realize that it's not what they thought it was going to be. And then they, you know, like Trent Brown, now is going back to the Patriots where he won a ring, and uh, he's very excited about that because I probably didn't see that as a you know possibility here anytime soon. So you, know, you mentioned earlier the culture. The culture, maybe that's a cliche, but the culture here is not what people would hope it to be. I'll say that. A follow-up question here from Garth G. Ask any insight to why the relationship soured with Gabe Jackson. He infers from, you know, the word getting out there that he was celebrating that he's unhappy with the Raiders. I mean, was Gabe that unhappy or was it simply a matter of, I'm unhappy when you tried to take money away from me? I'd imagine it might've started last year when he tried to trade him during the draft and then took a long time to guarantee his salary. And then after doing all that, come back and wanted to take less salary again after he played, I think he played all 16 games this year. Yeah, that's a pretty quick way to, to make somebody disgruntled, I think. Yeah, he had played hurt before that. He played hurt the whole year. So I think um, and for Gabe, I think it's more – I'm not sure he's celebrating. I mean, that was a – I think John Feliciano tweeted that out. and It's not untrue, but I think he's, you know, he's probably happy and excited about what the possibilities are. But for Gabe, it's been seven years, and it's not, it's been a tough – it's been a tough seven years. They had the one playoff run, but otherwise it's been a lot of, uh, a lot of frustration, a lot of guys kind of coming and going. So – I think, you know, he's ready for a change. I mean, I think he liked it. a lot of his teammates. He enjoyed that part of it. But, yeah, I think you get frustrated and you kind of wonder what it's like on the other side. So, for him, this is the only team he's ever been on. So, I think he's curious to see what happens you know, in other other places. I mean, what makes it harder, too, is even that one playoff run, I mean, they were done before they even got to the playoffs when you lose your quarterback and you just, you know, like the, the whole excitement of that season was, was dead before they even uh, stepped in the – stepped on the field against the Texans that day. So that's that's what sucks really too, is that they didn't even really get to experience a playoff run. Cause I mean I think we're not gonna get into all everything from twenty sixteen, but I mean if Carr doesn't get hurt, they got a chance to get a you know, I think a first round bye, home playoff game and all that kind of stuff. But uh that's neither here or there at, at this point. But um we're gonna do one final question here from Eddie C. Judging by what I see on Twitter, you all get asked the same questions over and over again. What is the question that you get asked the least but think should get brought up more? <laughs> so I'm not going to ask a question, but I want you to tell me a good question and then answer it. That's a guy. I, I like I like this guy. I like Eddie C. He's he's not going to go for the the obvious question. He wants he wants to know what the best question he should. He's ask. trying some Jedi mind trick stuff. I'm not I'm not sure I'm smart enough to play along though. Um, go ahead, Ted. You go first. I'll go. I'll go last. I'm trying to think of one. <laughs> <laughs> the question I'm going to ask the least. Uh, Why do they keep re-signing Nathan Peterman? Maybe? Hey, they re-signed Dallin Levitt. Uh, you guys didn't oh, put him no, on that's here. The uh, that's the oh, one. Oh, Dallin oh, Levitt. That's it. Why do they? What is the thing with Dallin Levitt? <laughs> really? How does that guy keep sticking around? I mean, how, how did he not make either of you guys' 53 bad projections? You know he's going to find a way to stick around. Oh, is that true? We didn't put him on there? Oh, that's my bet. No. You know, you know he's going to find a way to keep him around. That's bad on our part. He's a lock. I mean, uh, that's uh, that's that's Mayock's guy. And I think, you know, didn't Derek Carr say he was Eric Weddle uh, 2.0 at some point? That's the next Eric Weddle. So just a classic guy, you know, hard-trying guy who's cheap, who kind of hangs on. So uh, nothing against Don Levitt. I just totally forgot about him. So if we do it again, I'll put him back on there. I, I apologize. Are they going to keep some of the uh, – are we going to still have, like, the expanded practice squad? I think it depends. I think they're waiting to see what happens with all the vaccine stuff and what they're going to be able to do with the offseason programs and OTAs. But I think if you have normal OTAs, you probably don't need 
16 man practice squads, but um, I think we're kind of waiting to see what happens. I wouldn't mind them a lot, you know, kind of keeping some of the uh, the rules around where you know you can have more veterans. I mean, I mean, I kind of like the expanded practice squad and allowing veterans to go on it. Just, I mean, there are some guys that maybe aren't quite ready to step onto an active roster, but uh, they want to work their their way back. And I don't know. I mean, it's ways for guys to keep employed. So, I mean, I I never I didn't have a problem with it, but uh, obviously the uh, the owners aren't going to want to pay that many people. It's a pretty cushy gig, man. Hundred thousand dollars to run scout team practice and uh, go to meetings. I mean, I, I could do that probably. Yeah, I could be their, their scout team running back. You got two guys right there for your 16 next year, me and Deshaun. Nose, nose tackle and a running back. We're, we're, we're ready to go. Are you guys going to write too? Oh, yeah. I still need y'all you got, right. You got plenty of time for the practice squad. <laughs> you ain't doing much. <laughs> Can you imagine the news we would break? Imagine the additional insight you guys are going to have. Like, oh, my God, you should have seen this guy in practice. He was terrible. <laughs> and then, and then, then you show up in the locker room the next day. What'd you say about me? Uh, we, we, we probably toned down that. You probably don't uh, go out on a limb as much as we would if, if you weren't on the practice squad. But let's do it. I'm ready. Everybody start getting in shape. Well, that's some great content right there. John Simpson sucked one day. The next day, I got ran over by John Simpson. <laughs> but Vic just admitted that he's not, they're going to tone it down, so they're not even going to give us the good stuff anymore. So actually, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to allow you on the practice squad. That goes behind the paywall. We won't tweet it out, but it'll be on the paywall. Well, I got to say that. Otherwise, they won't let me on the practice squad. If I say I'm going to go on there and rip up stuff, I'm not going to be able to get a spot. So I got to say I'm not going to do it. I'll be low-key. But give me the 16th spot as the uh, the 15 nose tackle, and, and we're good. Here's what we got to do. We got to just put one of you guys on the practice squad, and then the person on the practice squad writes all the nice stories, but then feeds the information to the other one, and then you could write the bad stuff, but then you're really getting it from him. Yeah, they would never, they would never <laughs> figure it out. Never, never <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they oh, well, we have come up with great plans. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's great. <laughs> Uh, I think we should definitely follow through with this. I don't think Mayak is citing either of you. Uh, <laughs> and Gruden definitely isn't. Yeah, I've been in the gym, man. <laughs> uh, we we got to like speed, like get some pro day tapes of you guys, speed it up, make <laughs> make Deshaun run a 4-2. <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Well, I think that'll wrap up our pre-free agency episode of State of the Nation. Uh, we'll be, uh, of course, following all the news that happens next week. Tampering begins on Monday. The official start of the league year on Wednesday, March 17th. So uh, get ready for all that. Uh, and we will have all the news for you and certainly come back on here and uh, evaluate every move that the Raiders make. And we're going to try to get you excited about the moves, even though most of you will probably be convinced that two years from now we'll be talking about how they're cutting all these guys. That's a bold promise right there. All right, we'll try, we'll try to get you excited about it. All right, guys, we'll talk to you again next week.